So yeah, I've met Packlids before. They're not. They're not like that. I once saw a Packlid uh, win an entire chess tournament by playing every other player at the same time. Right. Okay. Um. So I don't really get what's going on here. I mean. I get it. We're at, we're at red alert. It's it's sad that Jordy's gone missing. I mean, he was asking for it, really. But yeah, he's always beaming over places. Yeah, where he doesn't belong. But have these people never seen University Packlet, which is yeah. uh, hosted by uh, Jeremy Packlet? <laughs> They're really is smart. It? They're really clever. I, I don't get it. The, it. Yeah, is there? Is this I mean, a bit? Are the Packlets doing a bit? It doesn't. It seems beneath them, if anything. Is it just like, what if it's? Look, I don't. I don't want to use. Have we? Look, I'm just saying that Packlid ship is a little bit shorter than the rest of the Packlid ships that I've seen. Um, like the normally they're longer and fully packed with Packlids, but this one's like quite short and only got like fewer Packlids on it. Have we run into the 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 Packlid short bus? I think that this is a packlet. See, that what people don't know about the packlets is that they come out fully adult-sized. Right, okay. I think this is a packlet primary school trip. <laughs> that could be it. Or there might be a gas leak. Oh, hold on, we're getting a hail. Oh, it's from Mrs. Jeremy Packlet. She must be a teacher <laughs> at the packlet <laughs> primary school. Yeah? Oh, right. Turns out, they were just, yeah. turns out they were just eight years old. Oh, right, okay. Needless to say, that's then... why they outsmarted Geordie. <laughs> well, the last time Geordie got in trouble for something with an eight-year-old, it was, well, we had that meeting with HR, didn't we? Uh, but I don't care how quickly they mature on that planet, Geordie. Wrong is wrong. <laughs> Podcasts. A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slug, Stardate 42. Uh, I'm Eddie Edwards. I'm joined as always by Mark Bench uh, as we trek our way through all of Star Trek. And just to to get it out of the way, uh, given that the patron saint of this podcast is Miles O'Brien and and Mark, both have a beer. Recent news events insist that we start with Up the Rock. Up the (laughs) Rock. We always knew Jerry was going to out last night. I will say, uh, I got the best review ever on our last episode, which was not from anyone who's listened to it, but from my my girlfriend, uh, Emma, who was in the uh, room that saw when I came out after we'd recorded, literally looked at me and went, that is the most I have ever heard you talk about Star Trek whilst recording an episode. <laughs> <laughs> was it the Borg? Yeah, it was the Borg, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that trend is certainly not going to continue. No. No, I actually quite like this episode. Um, Yeah, I do. I I very much like the. 
It's, I don't know which plot is the A plot and which plot is the B plot. Mm. But I like the Picard Wesley stuff quite a lot. Yeah. I I think that the the other storyline I think might be problematic. So <laughs> right. Yes. A lot yeah. a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's Yeah. yeah. Um, um the packlets, the pack packleds, packleds, packleds. Yeah, uh, I had to Google that, but yeah, it's they actually come back as the main villain of Lower Decks <laughs> season two because they're yeah. so underestimated by the Federation that no one is really doing anything to stop them continuing to do that thing that they're doing. <laughs> so they just they essentially are. A, kind of like a shit borg they just go and assimilate other cultures and just yeah. take all their stuff but by the time we get to lower decks they're actually quite an advanced race but they're still the <laughs> way that they are um but there's some really good recurring jokes like they refer to every ship as an enterprise <laughs> <laughs> another See, enterprise is it... coming <laughs> oh my god a third there's... enterprise <laughs> See the packlids are there's there's a way of doing the packlids that isn't seemingly that they've got learning difficulties. Uh, yeah. That's their that's their thing. Uh, yeah, I would have done them more like orcs. I would have done them like a little bit like nobody's telling you orcs are smart, but like I mean I mean I'm specifically mean like the the space orcs in like Warhammer, mm. where I think they only have technology because ships have crashed on planets that they were on. Uh, and I they ride them until they explode. Would argue that that's isn't that exactly the backstory of the Klingons? Uh, I, don't, I think the I don't know. That's a good point. I don't know if the Klingons in the Klingons didn't invent their own stuff. They took it from someone else. They do have their own right. rich look. I'm not. Like, I'm not being anti-Klingon. Right? We've discussed many times on this podcast. I actually quite like the Klingon culture. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I love the fact we're fine with offending any real world group, <laughs> but, but, but we want to be <laughs> clear on ourselves that we're not anti-fictional races. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I have a lot of time for the Klingons, right? <laughs> but but I think we do know that in the past, they are they, to get to the level of technology, they they did steal that from other races. I I can't I can't imagine that they invented a warp drive, but I could fully imagine. That a species with a warp drive landed on the Klingon homeworld and were like, "Oh, this will be easy." They've not even got lasers, and then got just stabbed to fuck. Who is this podcast for? <laughs> because it's not for Star Trek fans. Because we clearly don't know anything about Star Trek. I, so we're all we're really together. doing is annoying the people who know. Yeah, we're learning it. Yeah, exactly. We're learning it from. Imagine this. Imagine it's nineteen ninety. We're learning it for the first time, even though a lot of this is stuff that was probably covered in the original series, which we didn't watch. Well, I think we'll probably do the original series after we finished Next Gen, did, just to get us on a level that we should be at before we should have really started. Yeah. The did it, um, so the shuttles have warp, or what? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I think they do, but I think it's like a shit warp. Yeah, like maybe one. Because here's the thing, I think the warp drive is the thing that lets you f- go faster than the speed of light. Mm. And if you can't, then I don't care where you are, wherever you're going isn't six days away or six hours. It's fucking 
40 years. Yeah. Because everything in space is real far apart. So I, I'm guessing they have like a shitty warp drive, like a little one. Like they, maybe they can do like warp two. Yeah, because six hours away from Earth is still basically the Earth. You wouldn't even get yeah. to the moon. Like no, they'd have to be you... basically there. <laughs> even even, even at, if you're traveling at like light speed, yeah. like six hours is is well outside of the solar system. Absolutely, but not near anything. <laughs> like. <laughs> If the Enterprise is stopping six hours away from something at sublight speed, why don't they go the extra four seconds at warp? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That's. Uh, well, well, okay. So to, to set this up, the, the B plot of the one of the plot that's interesting in this is that Picard doesn't want Pulaski to do a medical procedure on him, which I thought at first was going to be some sort of rectal exam. Um, so instead, he's going off to this planet where there's like a facility. And he, and Wesley also is going to the same facility for exams, so they they go off on like a little road trip, which yeah. is just tense and awkward. But Picard brings a packed lunch, uh, that's... yeah, and some books, uh, yeah, and kind of opens up a little bit. Yeah, I I about... really like that. Yeah, like I, yeah, it's I am I am here, right? I as as much as like my. I mean, we've discussed on the podcast before that I still don't really know what it is that I like about Star Trek. Because, <laughs> like, I, I do like the fact that it is just a bunch of people who, like, always make the right decision under the guidance available at that time and consult each other on how to solve problems. So, really, it's just a thing where nothing can really ever go wrong because someone will always solve that problem. Um, I wonder, Mark, why somebody living in the UK would love the power fantasy of competent people solving problems. <laughs> but also, I re- and we're starting to get a little bit more of it in season two. I love the character stuff, like because we discover that Picard isn't just a hard ass; that he used to be a bit of a rebel. He used to be a bit of a bad boy. Yeah, he was. He, he he's got this. The great story in this is that basically Picard needs to go get a new. Uh, a new fake heart put in and he's got a fake heart because he got in a bar fight with some Norsicans when he was like 21 and they stabbed him through the back Yeah, uh, which he apparently found hilarious because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I imagine like surely because obviously Picard is a bit of a hard nut to crack right and he's very regimented and he's not the, the, the super adventure guy that Kirk was but I imagine that in order to become a captain, one of the qualities you would have to have is that you'd have to be approachable by yeah. people who weren't just your number one. And, like, yeah. you'd have to be good at telling stories. Because you, you're kind of... You are the figurehead. Like, you want you want people to do the things that you order them to, not just because they have to by rank, but because they actually like serving under you. Which, it kind of, it reminds me a little bit of um, an old teacher that I had. My English teacher was, like, super regimented. But everyone really respected him for it. So, in conclusion to my own point, disregard all that earlier things that I said. (laughs) (laughs) I... See, because I mean, I, I would imagine as well, like, Picard is very deliberately very different from Kirk. But I would imagine that if you're Starfleet, you're looking for all of your like captains to be a little bit like Kirk, because yeah. like Kirk has saved the entire universe on like 
14 separate occasions. And it's kind of like, well, that's that's what we want. We don't want somebody who's not going to save the universe. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> you should always... And I think they do do this. I mean, I think Star Trek has... You could never accuse Starfleet of being... Well, maybe you can. Maybe we'll find out in later episodes. But you can't ever really accuse Starfleet of being discriminatory in the backgrounds by which they choose captains. Because Kirk, James Kirk, was like just a gunner on the Farragut. He he was he was just an ops, but he wasn't yeah. a scientist. He wasn't necessarily like a like he yeah. he just that's just what he did. He was just part of the of the infantry, and he got to be captain just because he's really good at captaining. Yeah, and, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that sort of thing. You don't like, given the vast differences between the people we've seen in the captain's chair in the different Star Treks, they've yeah. all got very different like backgrounds and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't see Ben Cisco ever wanting to go fucking horse riding. He spends his time on Earth, like at his dad's restaurant in New Orleans, listening to jazz. Yeah, uh, and he and he loves baseball, and it's a, that's a very different background to. Picard, who's got a fucking vineyard in France and loves history. Yeah, it's so I, don't, I just think they're like, no, you, you've got it. You've got what it takes, kid. You can have the big chair. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's a it's a proper meritocracy. Like if you're just the best guy at potentially being captain, you'll get a chance at being captain. Yeah, and apparently there's only really one exam that you have to sit, which you can't pass <laughs> anyway. So don't worry about it. The only exam that gets referenced all the fucking time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, I was going to say, like, um, one thing I did like about this episode as well is, like, how big... A, so, because, like, at the beginning, they're going to go to see, uh, like, Picard's been told he has to go, and he's really gutted that he's going to miss the, the Epsilon Pulsar survey. And then he goes to see, like, Riker, and Riker's like, you're going to miss the Epsilon Pulsar survey. So, apparently, this Pulsar survey is a real fucking big deal on board the Enterprise. Like, everyone's been jacked up about this shit for months now. This is, like, the equivalent of, like, the Foo Fighters gig in London the other day. Um, <laughs> it's because um, the Epsilon are a race uh, comprised entirely of tits. <laughs> <laughs> and Riker's like, oh my god, Picard, you have to see this. There's tits of every shape and size. Like, you can't, like, think of, think of the perfect tits. They'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, 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 I get it. I, I do want to point out because we were saying that there's a, a like you were saying like everybody does everything perfectly in Starfleet. Not the case in this episode, Mark. There is a, a, an outright moment of complete character flaw in this episode because I I noticed something in this episode. And I want to point it out because I feel it needs to be pointed out every time it occurs. There's a bit at the beginning of this episode where Geordie, Wesley, and Sonia Gomez were walking down a corridor. Three of them are breast. And there's a bit where one guy walking the other way has to like squeeze around them. Walking free abreast down the Enterprise corridors is a dickish move. Yeah, that is a dick move. Yeah, Wesley walk behind. Or at least if you are going to do that, one of you moves out of formation when you see somebody coming the other way. Yeah. Which I know is a lot to ask of Geordie. But... (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a stunt double coming. Um, Um, Speaking... Sorry, go on. No, you go. I think it's actually kind of sad that we're going to lose Sonia Gomez. Not lose, she doesn't yeah. die. Uh, she actually, <laughs> again, she gets she gets the big chair. Yeah, she becomes a captain yeah. in Lord X. But uh, 
I we don't really get to hang out with her quite a lot, which I think would have been really cool because, like, yeah, I get the Wesley thing was that in the 1980s, every TV show had to be there to sell toys. And for kids to want toys, there had to be someone for them to relate to. So there always had to be a kid and everything, right? That's why Wesley is there. We've talked about this yeah. at great length. But um, it, I just don't find Wesley... Like, I'm not particularly interested in what does it take to get into the exam phase of Starfleet Academy. I don't really care. Like, I imagine Starfleet Academy is just like any academy. You go there, you do exams, you get drunk, you get stabbed in the heart by some <laughs> nauseans. Um, yeah. And then you get a fake heart. But Sonia Gomez, like a new ensign on the Enterprise, probably staying in lower decks. Give me that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's very much what they do with Uhura in Strange New Worlds. Yeah. And it gives you a bit of an insight into what... And it's, yeah, it's interesting. That, that said, I will say this. If anybody at Paramount ever listens to this, and I know you won't, but if you do, if you want to make like, like a fucking like traditional American high school like drama set at Starfleet Academy, I will watch the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> that that would be one of the best shows you could possibly make. I know. Who <laughs> would you right, so there has to be a legacy character, right? So for right, Star okay. Trek Prodigy, which I haven't seen, they've brought back Kate Mulgrew as Admiral Janeway. Yeah. Who do you have as like the I guess he'd be like the Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. Yeah, Miles O'Brien. Miles O'Brien ends up teaching at the Academy. Oh. <laughs> I don't even... Because I was like, what captains are we going to... Of course it's Miles. And Miles has got a kid. So Miles's kid could be in Starfleet. And then you've got an interesting... Paramount, I'm making this for you for free. Yeah. And Colm... Colm... Is amazing, but he's not got a lot on at the moment. As far as I'm aware, he's not in the 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 banshee of Inish Me. With, I don't think so. With Brendan and, and Colin. No, yeah, like if you if you yeah, I'm certain which, which would matter because that's you, already finished. That's how filmmaking works. It's not like they come out and act that out live <laughs> every time I go to see that in the cinema. Col, yeah, if Colm Meany was offered uh, like a TV deal that is is the equivalent of I'm imagining. And some Mount is getting like a call somewhere close to a million per season of, of Strange Words. I'm certain if they went to Cold Media with that money and he was like, Oh, is it a difficult job you want me to do? He's like, Can you just do O'Brien again? He's like, Yeah, yeah, that man that man has no inner life. I can I, do that easily. I wonder <laughs> if um Cause yes, obviously we were all excited for Strange New Worlds, but it was mainly because, oh, it looks like it's going back to the old school of Star Trek. But Yeah. Anson Mount, yeah, he was pretty good in Discovery, from what I understand from the episodes he was in. But Miles O'Brien, that's got a... Like, there are people who likely haven't watched any new Trek, yeah, including fucking Picard. And if you turned around to them and said, there's a somewhat funny show, Miles O'Brien's <laughs> going to be in it, they'll be like, yeah, I've, I've, obviously I've got to watch that. Oh, okay, I'd also do this as a character then. Okay, if you're doing that... One of the cadets is the current host of the Dax symbiote. So she's Whoa. like having to do all Starfleet training, but also has been like drinking buddies with Miles O'Brien for a solid eight years of her life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And oh, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, of course Bashir shows up. <laughs> like him and Miles. I imagine him and Miles 
get very hammered on the holodeck. I just hope if they do have Bashir show up, they have the balls to finally establish that in, in canon that he ended up married to Garrick, the Cardassian. Because uh, there was a lot of, of flirting. You couldn't have gone away with it in the 90s, but 2022, yeah. yeah. Give me a, a loving gay couple, one Cardassian, one, do- one Starfleet doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, shall we discuss the E plot? Yeah, oh, God. Uh, okay. This is this is this is one of the most important a plots in Star Trek history because for the first time, Mark, in the history of this show, I can say the following sentence: Worf was right. Yeah. <laughs> right at the beginning, it's that it's yeah, it's it's. I don't I, I don't know how to say it without it coming. Look, I'm not trying to be offensive, but it, they're, they're a race called the Packlids, and they basically come across as if they've got downs. Um, yep, they sure do. Yeah, um, <laughs> they yeah. refer to as being a little slow by Riker. That's where I have a problem. They, the actual idea beyond that, once you get past that, the actual plot's quite good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's and like they speak English or they speak whatever language they have that is translated into English, yeah. but it's like. It's not like they're coded as they're speaking a different language and they're struggling to speak English. They're just really bad at speaking English. Yeah, it's they, like they go, go here. They don't have this. the tenses. Uh, they constantly just repeat themselves. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a, it's an idea that certainly would have flown in 1990. You know when yeah. pe- when people were worried about the uprising of the people with Down syndrome, and <laughs> and so Star Trek was like, no, let's show them that they are also people and have the ability to, you know, be able to handle being given the nuclear codes, etc. <laughs> um, which it hasn't aged. <laughs> Particularly well now, I'd say we're a lot more compassionate and empathetic towards. Yeah, you know, I is is Down syndrome isn't neurodiversity because it's a chromosomal problem. Like, they're, they're, yeah. it's mental disability, right? It's, yeah, you know. it's it's the thing is there are. I think there's a way of doing it. Yeah, like because the 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 thing is, here's the issue that I have with it: the human beings in. Star Trek aren't shown to be like way smarter than we are. Yeah. They know more stuff and they have access to tech and science that's developed years, but they're not intrinsically smarter than us. Well that's that's so, that's like a universal truth. Like like we yeah. like think about how smart you perceive yourself to be. Not just you, right? The listener. Like think about how smart you perceive yourself to be. Your ability to think, your ability to self-actualize etc right we've basically been this way for what 15,000 years like you could potentially go back and get a guy from ancient Egypt bring him forward teach him things and then he would just be the same as us like they have the same thought capacity they just didn't have as much stimuli or information at their fingertips yeah, you you if you could grab somebody from the past and show them a TV, they would go from mind blown by the concept of a television to having a favorite show 
within a week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, like, and it's that thing of, um, and because of that, the problem is when you want to show somebody who is the idea is that they're less advanced as a species and they've somehow got space tech. And if you want to do that, you, the only way you can do that is by making them appear dumber than the average human, which is where it gets like uncomfortable. There, there, there's a, there's got to be a better way, I think, of doing that. But that said, the plot itself is interesting, which is just like they are, they have been underestimated. They've nicked, like they've got Romulan shields and some Klingon weapons. So it's just clear that what they've done has been really deeply underestimated by some people and just nicked their shit and then legged it. And then uh, presumably that that ship has been too embarrassed to report that to anyone. <laughs> yeah, and then in the end, Riker, they don't Riker and Jordy. Like I, I guess if if they'd solved the problem by, he's thinking like, here's what here's why people keep getting caught out by the pack leads. It's because they continually underestimate them. So we're we're going to solve this problem is by not underestimating them, and yeah. by giving them essentially the respect they deserve through our actions of being really clever about the way that we go about this. But they don't. They just they just outwit them. They outwit them with a plan that only works because the people they're using it are against are idiots. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like it's oh, we need to give Jody a code, Jody a coded message, and instead of it being like a Starfleet thing that they've all agreed on beforehand, they're all like, Jordy, don't give them pro- photon torpedoes and twenty four. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, and he's like, "Oh, I'll give them photon torpedoes, and then there's a 24 second countdown where I've got to turn them off." Like, yeah, exactly. Like, there's a really good, uh, there's a really good episode of Doctor Who called uh, I can't remember what the first part's called, but the second part is called "The Family of Blood." Uh, yes, it's the best two part uh, of the human nature and family of blood. That's it, right? Are the two episodes of modern Doctor Who I show to people to explain to them why they should watch Doctor Who because they're incredible. Which is weird uh, because it's arguably the two the two part of that has the least amount of Doctor Who shit in it. Yeah. Um <laughs> but he uh but he outsmarts the um the family of blood. He he outsmarts them by appearing to be dumber than he is. So yeah. they underestimate him. And that's how they lose. So Yeah. Why do they Starfleet? Why do this the fucking crew of the flagship <laughs> not figure out that they should probably pay these? I mean, that's that's like this point is like raised in lower decks. Like Mike McMahon, who makes lower decks, is is clearly such a massive. It's clear he's not doing it for a job. Like he's it's clear he's a massive, massive trekkie. Um, but like us, just has issues with some of the ways that they go about things. Because the pack led yeah. story in Lower Decks, I would say, if not, like, I would go too far as to say it's an apology for this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's the thing that the thing I think that annoys me about it is, is they don't have like a thing that, yeah. like, like, so, like, in Star, in Star Trek in general, most of the races you encounter as like serious like ones that like you are going to have interesting like episodes that can be solved with dialogue sort of situations so like excluding the Borg excluding your giant space heads 
and stuff like that. But the ones where you, you can have like long-term political stories with like the Romulans, the Klingons, the Ferengi, people like that. It's usually you take away one part of, of, that makes you a human and you like you turn that down so for example Klingons don't really give a fuck about like empathy or fear so you turn that right down and you replace it with like aggression and a warrior and on and on a rig and, and, and that's what you do the Peklids it's like they just dialed down the intelligence but didn't dial up another like trait like you didn't get a thing like if they had like a hypno power or something like that or if they were like hugely strong like you could do so like it's like oh no you're like, like oh they're dumb as a bag of rocks but they can like bend steel with their bare hands and now yeah. they've captured Geordie would be like an interesting and then you'd have like Geordie gets put down in the like basement and like in the like hold and there's like a Romulan side engineer and they've got like engineers from like four different ships that they've captured or even something like I don't know how you would go about this I don't know if this is like a a Grant Morrison like mega drugged plot for something but if there was like if the thing that you dialed down was their intelligence but the thing that you dialed up is how sneaky they were yeah so that it kind of makes up for the low intelligence but they're actually they're 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 actually incredibly smart but because they're not smart in the way that we are we can't outwit them because they have a, oh, just right, a distinctly yeah. different type of intelligence it's that it's that same way that like uh it was, I can't remember. They were talking about it on Blind Boy the other day, but it's like the idea that um, people have different types of intelligence. So, like you take yeah. you take David Beckham, who is like uh, sold to the public, and for his entire career has been sold to the public as yeah, this guy's thick, right? But yeah, th- this this guy could bend a ball, and like like his physical intelligence is like so far beyond anything that you can imagine. Like, give the pack leads a type of intelligence that we just don't quite understand. So that there's no way yeah. around it without just sitting down and figuring it out. But they don't. Yeah, like, they'll just they'll just they'll just dumb. Yeah. Give them like like something like like you could give them something like say uh, like a uh, like a bullseye or Hawkeye like level of like spatial awareness or something like that. So it's yeah. like oh yeah, they can like if you tell them how to do the complicated thing, they'll nail it first time every time. You can't really get away with them because they can like fire a like dart round a corner that will hit you with like a tranquilizer thing and stuff like that. They just can't work out how warp cores work. Yeah, imagine if they had like a muscle memory that all they have to do is see something once and then they can do it. Yeah, yeah, and then and then that makes them fantastic technology thieves. That's a good way of doing it. Like if they see you do something, they can do it, but they don't have the capacity to innovate. Yeah, that's interesting. Because then you could have, yeah, like they could, like they've, because then it, and then you could have fun in the episode of like them learning more, have them not speak like the right, like be, and it's not able to communicate with them, and then they can communicate back using only words that they've been told. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can do more or less the same exact plot, but you don't have to worry about two woke dickheads coming along <laughs> 30 years later and just going is it making fun of the disabled yeah like <laughs> give them extreme intelligence but no creativity yeah yeah exactly yeah that yeah that's yeah that's interesting yeah yeah um, but as it is that's not what and, and the worst thing is well but they're not just dumb they also deliberately made them fat <laughs> I mean, it's like 
they might as well they might as well just like because you get forehead bumps a lot in mm. like Star Trek they might as well just add ones that spell out loser I think I honestly think we've said pretty much everything there is to say about uh, I, the pack led story the only uh, the only yeah. thing I wish is that um and I, this is a pretty much the only note I took, which is at one point Riker is like, uh, oh, I, I can't remember if it's Data because we we watched this about about a week ago. Um, I can't remember if it was Data who turns around and says, "Oh, I see that we are, like, uh, we are, uh, like we're we're doing like a, a con, like we're we're conning them." Yeah. Um, I wish that Riker had turned around and done. There's like there's like a trope in certain media where when like someone who looks a bit like a con man which would be Riker someone who's a bit in on it uh, I wish that Data had gone oh what is this some kind of trick and then Riker gone yeah a ruse a flim flam uh, a, a mishmash <laughs> like I, I like it when they start saying all the different words and uh, Riker's yeah. into like 20s jazz so like he would I, I imagine he would have that like I, I imagine that, that Riker unironically sometimes refers to groups of people as cats yeah, I, I I would love the idea of Riker just going like, "What we need is a Kansas City Shuffle or something like that." Yeah, you know? exactly. Look- yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, and, and Minneapolis I was say, <laughs> <laughs> I, I and it's also worth noting like that the 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 story with the Packlins is so underwhelming because there is no the Packlins don't actually represent any real threat. The issue is just that. Their, their, their ship is so weak that the Enterprise can't fire at it to knock their shields out because they'll probably blow it up and kill Geordi. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. So to introduce any level of terror, like like tension or odds, Picard's surgery has to go wrong <laughs> so that they are now on a time clock because Pulaski is apparently the only doctor who can do the surgery. Um, so, why are the surgeons yeah. dressed like handmaids from the handmaids too? Uh, that is because modern surgery techniques in Star Trek are all based on what happens on Earth in the next five years, Mock. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand, because uh, the first thing that they do when they're all in there is he goes, right, turn on the sterilization field. So yeah. why do they have to wear the weird outfits? Why do they have to wear gloves? It's like judges. Uh, it's just tradition. <laughs> Um, I, I was going to say something I did love about this is we got uh, the the very rare Star Trek thing, which is the offshoot of Techno Babble, which is uh, Meadow Babble, oh, which yeah. is specifically made up medical nonsense that sounds just about plausible. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, we need to that was it. We need a, a molecular, a biomolecular physiologist in here. What is that? <laughs> it sounds as if it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's um, I guess what Pulaski is. is. <laughs> Does. Picard, and this is a thing I, I was thinking about. Does Picard have a heartbeat? Because if mm. the you've got a heart, there's no reason to have it pump like in beats. You just have it go. Yeah. So Picard might not have a heartbeat. Which I yeah, I, you would just it would just speed up or slow down based on. Which does mean Picard can at any point play dead. And it's something they should use in some future episodes. Like somebody goes down who he doesn't know about him, like listens to his for his pulse, and there's nothing. Someone who doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah, 
Um, yeah. So most people. Can yeah. Do this. <laughs> that's a good. That's a. That's an interesting question. I have would you be no... okay not having a pulse? Would I be okay? Yeah. I mean, I very rarely check my own pulse. I generally assume that if I'm able to wonder how my pulse is getting on, then my pulse is probably fine. <laughs> I I think that it's one of those things that wouldn't bother me like 95% of the time. And then I'd like, no, or 99% of the time. And every now and then I get reminded of it and it just makes me go, ooh. Yeah, I think about that quite a lot, right? Because I'm like, because uh, quite often I'll just be, I, I, I daydream a lot, right? I, I, I basically don't have a lot to do most of the time. I should be spending that time improving my creative endeavours, but I don't. Um, <laughs> so I spend a lot of time just sitting, no telly, no music, nothing, just lying in the quiet, imagining what it would be like if I was a vampire, right? <laughs> now, obviously we're going, I, I tend to, but the, the first thing to do whenever I'm up for a daydream is what are the rules, right? And I usually go for like your can't go out into the sunlight religious stuff doesn't really come into it right because i think that's nonsense uh needs to, needs to eat people right needs to drink people mm. and i'm like how would i deal with that like like because at first i think well i'm ginger so i don't particularly like going out during the day anyway but i think i'd start to miss the sun quite yeah. quickly yeah, I, could, um, I could see that now Vampires, this is this is a, a weird thing about vampires. Vampires traditionally don't have heartbeats. But the yeah. reason that vampires need to drink blood, traditionally in modern pop culture, is that their own blood is can't sustain them. So they have to just keep mm-hmm. replacing that blood through feeding. But that blood must be going somewhere, right? It has to be... It's like, I remember reading a Buffy novel when I was, back when I was cool. <laughs> and it, it brought up the fact that um, Angel doesn't need to breathe but he does need to bring air into his lungs in order to speak yeah I was like I've never thought about that uh, I guess he does yeah, so that, that's a, I so isn't it interesting so if vampires are taking in liquid to sustain themselves yeah and getting the nutrients out of it do they piss do they piss blood uh, there's an excellent vampire movie called The Night Flyer. Right. Have you ever seen it? It's starring Miguel Ferrier. I've not seen it. Oh, man. Right, it's really good. I'm going to spoil the fuck out of it for you, right? So, basically, it's about a reporter for the like the Weekly World News who discovers that small airports throughout the US keep having massacres happen at them, um, where a right. lot of people have been drained of all their blood, and he figures out that it's a vampire that can fly a plane... Um, and uh, the vampires like look it up, man. The vampires like pretty terrifying looking. Like they make it like a real monster. I think it's based on Stephen King, and uh, he figures out where the next attack is going to happen. So he goes there with his camera, hoping to capture it. But he goes in, and the vampires already attacked this tiny airport. Right, so there's bodies strewn everywhere, and he follows the bodies to the bathroom where we, as the audience, see it as him looking in the mirrors as he hears footsteps behind him, but doesn't look behind him. He's looking in the mirror, and then all you hear is zzzz, unzip, and then at the urinal, a stream of blood 
just comes oh. out of nowhere. So that vampire pisses blood. But the yeah. thing is, it, you wouldn't piss blood because you don't just piss out what you drink. You piss out the toxins and the bad things that your body can't process. But if I drink a Barocca, be, the piss comes out yellow. So I'm guessing if I drank only blood, I'd piss out a blood-coloured substance. And, I, and vampires do drink other things. like They, they drink booze. Yeah. So you would have to piss that out. Yeah. I know in, in if you're playing Vampire the Masquerade, you can take the ability to eat food without vomiting as like a perk that you can have. Like as a thing, so you, can, you, you can't do anything with it. And then like later on you have to throw up to get it out, but it's just a thing you can do so that like you can be eating a burger in front of someone and they go, well, this guy's eating a burger. He's clearly not a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you hope they don't look in the reflection of the in the window. Um, I I I bought Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines the game on oh, PC, right. uh, and I was going to play it after I completed Deus Ex, and then I never actually finished Deus Ex. So no, nobody ever does. Uh. Yeah, I got I, I got to the fucking bit where you're in the catacombs under Paris, and you need to figure out how to get through the gas-filled room, and I was just like, no. Uh. At least I would say this, Deus Ex is infinitely more completable than Deus Ex Human Revolution. Because Deus Ex Human Revolution has like two bosses where you just can't, like, where it's like, oh, this guy, you're now locked in a room with a guy who's got a minigun. And it's like, right, okay, but I've put all of my stats into sneaking around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I, 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 uh, I, I have completed Human Revolution more than once. Oh really? Yeah, I've actually completed Mankind Divided more than once. I really like the other Deus Ex games. I, I, the original is obviously demonstrably better. But anyway, the the, the point was I'm I'm, I'm going to play that Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's, I've, I've heard it's good. I've only ever played like Vampires the Tabletop game, which is just usually very political and a lot of talking and not much killing. Because oh. the the whole point, well, the whole point is basically that like you you, you should like. If you if you make it, it's like oh, you just got to stay alive by killing people. That's that's actually very boring, very quickly. It's much more interesting if you go no vampire society is on the brink of collapse and there's a war and shit. That's much more uh, intriguing. But um, I got into like talking about like getting into like daydreaming about the rules and stuff. I was getting into a discussion last night, uh, the other night, with my girlfriend about the rules. Well, we, we were basically walking along and. Uh, uh, the moon looked very fat in the sky, and my girlfriend said, "Watch out for werewolves." And I said, "Well, no, it's not a full moon, so you don't have to." Uh, but then I was like, "Is does that mean like if I was like on a spaceship over there, like off to the like a far away off the Earth, that I'm, from my view the moon is full, right? Am I gonna transform if I'm a werewolf? Hmm. If you're a werewolf, because what? Here's my question: Is if you're a werewolf in the future in the human galactic empire? Are your transformations based on when Earth's moon is pointing in your direction? Or is it locked to when it's a full moon on Earth? If what triggers the transformation is a full moon, which is just the moon that reflects the most amount of sunlight, why aren't werewolves just wolves during the day? Yeah. Or they would be... like Because it's always reflecting the most amount of light, just not onto the Earth. So it must be direct light. And therefore, like, if you're a werewolf and you're far away from the Earth, because I imagine it's like even trace matters as long as it's pointing at you, but you're going to be on a completely different cycle Yeah, you don't understand at all based on how long it's taken that light to travel there. Um, 
I think we've discussed this on the podcast before, but I'm kind of uh, obsessed with like the etymology of monsters and stuff. Uh, it basically everything that we know about werewolves came from the Wolfman in the 1940s. The idea yeah. of like the full moon and silver, all of that lore, none of that existed in any of the previous lore. And in fact, even then, like the ideas of a werewolf isn't that old. It, it was like the turn of the century was the first time that a man who becomes a wolf entered into the public consciousness. Like this idea that like, oh man, skinwalkers have been doing it for years and the French have had the ideas of like, yes, like yeah, but they but they're actually different creatures. Like werewolves are a, are a twenty first, sorry, a twentieth century invention. Yeah, nearly every yeah, society good, has like a, a human turning into an animal thing, but the the like the werewolf curse and the silver thing is from vampires, which we don't yeah. normally have as like vampire lore anymore. But yeah, it's why. Uh, they say that vampires can't see themselves in reflection is because silvers is mirrors used to have a silver back yeah to make them more reflective so they just can't see themselves in the silver now right. i uh i think we've talked about it on this podcast actually fairly recently but in the sequel to dracula 2000 which was helpfully called dracula 3000 <laughs> The, I if I recall, remember if I remember correctly, they um they actually utilise a really under misunderstood part of vampirism, and the vampire mythos, which is that if you throw down a bunch of sand or grains of rice, they have to count all the grains. Yeah, they all have obsessive compulsive disorder. Basically, shit like that proves that literally every thing that we understand about monsters came from the fact that people in the past didn't appreciate people who were just a little bit different. Yeah. Obsessive yeah. compulsive <laughs> disorder. No, you must love sucking people's blood. Um, <laughs> Isn't it weird how since that weird guy with the obsessive compulsive guy happened, a lot of people have died in town? Well, um, I mean, what do you mean by a lot of people? We live in the Middle Ages. A lot of people die constantly. It's like, yeah, but like 20 people have died since he showed up. Yeah, but 20 people died the month before as well. Yeah. Yeah, but he wasn't here then, so I don't reckon he was responsible. You've missed my point. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Must have been super difficult being woke in the 16th century. (laughs) I don't like to call them as vampires. I like to think of them as sunlight disabled. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I, yeah. Would you? What do you think Picard do you, had on his sandwiches? <laughs> I, I was going to say to bring it back to Picard and Wesley. I do want to discuss one moment in their little chat, their little interaction that I really enjoyed, which is like, so we know, like, canonically, Picard doesn't like kids. Yeah. Um. And the and then like Wesley was like, "Oh, did you want kids?" And Picard's like, actually, quite opens up about it, and he's like, eh, "You know, I, I wasn't against the idea, but you know, I wanted to be a Starfleet captain. It's a, it's a, like a lot of commitment." And and Wesley's response to this is, and like, he's, and he says, "Like, and you've got to take that on board if you want to get far in Starfleet." And Wesley's like, "Don't worry, sir. It's not going to be a problem. I'm in control of my emotions." And it's like Wesley. You have been given the option of, of having a relationship with exactly one woman and you were willing to destabilise the society for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Wesley. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would have... Pref- I think I was thinking about this. I think this is an episode that would have been... I would have preferred 
somebody other than Wesley to be on this like trip that like Picard opens up to. I think you could have had a lot of fun with it being Data. I think it should have been Sonia Gomez. Oh, that could have worked. Yeah, because mm. she's on it. She's I, on the episodes. Might as well use her. I, well, here's what they should have done with Sonia Gomez. Okay, is they should have had her around, like for like a full season, mm-hmm. right? And then just redshirted her. Like have what? her be the faceless person who gets like killed by like the random bad guy. Yeah. To like actually, because what? Because again, like we're still at a point in Star in Next Gen where not a lot of like fucking people have died. We lost like two guys in season one. Uh, and, like we had the eighteen assimilated by the Borg last week. Yeah, the eighteen mm. assimilated by the Borg, which is. For a Borg encounter, pretty low, and it, we didn't see any of it happen on screen. Yeah, like nobody. So yeah, we've been. I feel they were trying to avoid what must have been at that point the most common Star Trek joke. Right? Was like yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe they were like, okay, let's not just casually kill off ninety percent of the crew over the course of the season. <laughs> yeah, people will find it confusing. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I like I like yeah, I like Sonia Gomez. I think we I wish we'd gotten a bit more with her. I agree. But yeah, there's not it's it's this is the problem with this episode is it's fine. Yeah. Uh uh I will say this as somebody who who has watched it a couple a bit more ahead. Um the whole story of how Picard gets his like heart done that comes into play. Yeah. Uh in quite a big way in in later episodes uh, a Q1 Specifically, yep. I was t- I was talking to Laura about this during the episode. Yeah. I said one of the few episodes I have seen is that Q gives him a chance to change that. Yeah, and and I love that in that episode when it's he's jumped back in the past and he gets stabbed and it's put him back on the right timeline, mm-hmm. and that's why he laughs when he gets stabbed. Yeah, which is which is like something he doesn't have an explanation for. Uh, but I also just like the idea that I, I, I want to see more, like, we've learned a bit about, like, a, apparently everybody on the Enterprise has a period of their life where they're fucking hanging around the dodgiest fucking outer <laughs> rim planets where they're watching, like, dog fights and getting stabbed over pool games. Yeah. Um, and I get that, like, to a degree, they did that a bit in, like, Deep Space Nine with Quarks. Yeah. But, man, I'd love to watch a series that's set in the Star Trek universe but, like, outside of Federation space. Where it's just somewhere like this, and like maybe the Federation pop by every now and then, like somebody pops in for an episode. It would need to be like that that trope that we've discussed quite a lot, like that idea of like the bartender and the bar owner yeah. who stays neutral. Yes. Yeah. The bar the bar would be called the neutral zone. <laughs> oh man, that's a Poker good idea. But you can't set it on the edge of Romulan space, though. You got to put it somewhere else. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's just Romulans and the Federation that you've got in. Uh, <laughs> But on a a note actually completely unrelated, nearly completely unrelated to Star Trek, I want to say this. I saw the trailer for the new Quantum Leap today. Does it look Uh, good? It looks fucking fantastic. I really, I love Quantum Uh, Leap. It's a direct, it's a direct sequel as far as I can tell of like, because, because he's going looking for Sam, right? Well, he doesn't know why he's done it because his memory's fucked, which is again from the original. And that's the thing is like it's trying to refine technology that went wrong when nobody's entirely certain what went wrong with the original thing. Yeah. And the guy who did it 
because like one of the recurring things is that like he has to be told about stuff because he doesn't have a decent memory of the future mm-hmm. um, so Sam Beckett doesn't know in Quantum Leap why he quantum leapt in the first place uh, I can only hope the only thing I want from the new series is for there to be an episode where he meets Sam and either gets him home safely or learns that he is more than happily jumping through time putting right what once went wrong I want uh, an episode where he goes back in time and meets the actual playwright Sam Beckett and he's like who are you and the guy goes I'm Sam Beckett and so he spends the entire episode thinking that that's the guy he's sent here to find and I, when he I, when he leaves him alone at the end of it that's what inspires Samuel Beckett to write Endgame because <laughs> he's like I want to I want an episode Sam. where he jumps into the actor Scott Bakula uh, yeah. <laughs> or to be fair, how it should end is he jumps into Samuel Beckett and doesn't quantum leap. Yeah. Or or does quantum leap as Samuel Beckett, and that's why Beckett doesn't know why he did it because it wasn't him; it was the new guy. He's like, <laughs> no, he has to quantum leap because otherwise the rest of time is fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I'll watch that. Yeah. I saw Nope yesterday. Oh, is that any good? It's, I very much enjoyed it. Um, I I need to check that out. It's. It's one of these films. As I was saying to Laura, I was like, "I'm gonna have to. I think I'm gonna have to watch that again because it seems to be about a lot of things." Yes, um, I that, that. It, it doesn't have the social commentary that Get Out. I've not actually never. I've never seen Us, but it, it certainly doesn't have the social commentary that Get Out has. But as far as I can tell, um, Nope is Jordan Peele making a movie about how he really needs people to stop thinking that he's ever going to do better than Get Out. <laughs> and you know that way that I said to Laura, I was like, I'd love to put that to him. Like, when I'm rich and famous and he's coming around for dinner, I'm going to be like, look, I don't want this question to sound like, do you realise that you peaked at Get Out? But is Nope about how you peaked at Get Out and you wish yeah. people would just stop getting on at you about it. I I still love till I die. There's an interview um, from when he from Peter Cook when he was in his fifties, and somebody's asking him about what's his favourite thing that he's ever written, and he's uh, and he's um, and he's talking about how it's the um, one leg too few, one legged Tarzan sketch, which he did with Pitt Dudley Moore, and it was originally written for the footlights right uh beyond the fringe and he goes and he goes and he's talking about it he goes and i wrote that when i was 19 and i've tried so hard every day to not be depressed about the fact <laughs> that i've not written anything as good since <laughs> yeah yeah well speaking of things that i hope get better uh that was star trek yeah yeah it's a fine, it's a fine episode. episode yeah it's all right yeah, I'm really right. sorry, long-term listeners. We, we 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 really are getting to that point where if there's just nothing to talk about, then we're just going to have to go on a fucking tangent. Which I'm yeah, sure but we've but you've learned something about vampires. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, well, and, I think so. And we rambled about vampires. Whether you learned any of them, statistically speaking, like you aren't going to if you're listening to this you're not going to live long enough to see the star trek future but, <laughs> but, but you might get attacked by a vampire uh, yeah exactly if, it, both things are very unlikely things to happen but one of them at least happens in the current time frame oh. uh, so 
<laughs> so if you do see a stream of blood piss appear behind you in a bathroom mirror, probably Get leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Bye. Bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain's Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog. <laughs>